Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Collicott. With new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month, catch Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for your time and your company. I'm joined, as always, by the, the click on mass. We have Dan Collicott. You here, sir? I certainly am. Wonderful. Uh, TJ Sutherland, are you here, sir? I am indeed. Excellent. We have uh, a super cool, very, very cool show lined up for, uh, for today. What what I'm particularly excited about is I kind of feel like we haven't debated anything for a while and I kind of feel like we're going to be coming at this from different angles but we'll get in there in a moment uh we release podcast episodes on the first and third Mondays of every month uh, and you can find us at foreverinelectricdreams.com so without further ado let's jump straight in today's topic sees us discuss the notion of comedy uh with the overarching question of should comedy have limits there's like a hundred different places we can go with this. There's a lot of almost subdivisions of, of conversations that this leads into with the notion of free speech and uh, just uh, the choice of listen to what you want to listen to and don't if you don't want to. Uh, there's artistic and creative freedom. There's a lot of different places to go on it. And I pitched a few, um, not necessarily discussion topics, but just some examples of things that I, I might raise during the conversation. You guys maybe have some other stuff. Uh, I'm sure other things will, will arise during the conversation. But we'll start with a very, very basic overarching question. And we'll go to Dan first, if that's okay. We'll go to Dan. And the question for you, sir, is should comedy have limits or do you think anything is fair game in comedy? Okay, God, this is a hard one because it's quite difficult to break it down, but I'll try. So the easy answer for me is no. I I don't actually think there should be boundaries in terms of the, the topic and subject areas that people can use in comedy. But having said that, it's all about context and timing and how the subject matter is used because i would kind of say that you know whilst there there shouldn't be a line in comedy it's obvious how you you know how you use that 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 kind of fringe comedy the comedy that is likely to offend people and why you're using it you know what what is what is your what is your end game um, and I think, you know, we discussed before the podcast, uh, the few topics we mentioned and, and a classic example is, um, Mr. Frankie Boyle, who I actually have a lot of reverence for. I think he's an incredibly, uh, intelligent and very funny guy. And he produces so much comedy, which I I just think, you know, he's one of the best stand-ups there is. He's he's so he's so quick, he's so razor sharp. Some of the put-downs he does to hecklers and to audience members. He's very funny, but he also goes to places where you kind of think is there any need for that? Did did any did anything in your act require you to go there? Have you kind of suffered you know has anything suffered because 
you went to these sort of weird taboos and jokes. And I kind of think, you know, it, it, it it's difficult because, you know, he, he attacks the Royals a lot. Now, I'm not a massive fan of the Royals myself. Um, but he gets quite savage and personal. Um, and you kind of think, well, do they, do they deserve that? And it, and in a sense, it's like, well, they're, they're probably not listening to this. They're probably not aware of it. it, it is it a victimless crime? Um, and you talk about, we talked about Ricky Gervais, uh, the Golden Globes. And <laughs> I definitely think with his, his um, you know, the kind of speeches he delivers at Golden Globes are always fantastic because, you know, these are celebrities. These, these are people who earn millions and very rarely are their careers harmed by the type of behavior that they exhibit, um, you know, that's out there in, in the open kind of forum in the press. So I kind of feel with, with him, I don't know, e- even if he sometimes does go for low hanging fruit and, and even some of the attacks on celebrities, it just isn't that funny. It has to be funny. But, um, well, I- can I can I quickly just jump in? So the, hmm. the Ricky Gervais thing is interesting because I I actually I, I really want to discuss that one, but I want to put a pin in, in him just for a moment. Um, but going back to Frankie Boyle to sort of reinforce what you were saying, I mean he was on Mock the Week and he famously quit because the jokes that he was making were getting himself in trouble in the BBC. Is that right? That was yeah. he ultimately quit because he was his jokes were even on that show were just being far too risque. I was trying to look what some of those jokes were I, I something that is coming to mind but i don't want to say it in case it's really not correct well i know one that go, it, yeah no go it, ahead is it, i did it was it yeah go on i don't want to guess the the, <laughs> the uh was it the queen or the queen mum so old her vagina's haunted oh. i thought he had made some gags <laughs> about oh god this is gonna be a terrible it's how can I take a moral stance now when <laughs> I've just laughed? But um, like I thought he did some stuff regarding he he or he has made jokes about uh, paedophilia. Oh, Is that my. correct with Frankie Boyle? Yeah, he has, isn't he? And oh, I think all he the did time, I mean, the week as well. Yeah, he he, you know, his stand up. There's um, there's a stand up he did in the form of of three podcasts, which I'll, I'll come back to specifics, so I'll, I'll put paste them on the site. But in that, um, yeah, I mean, like, what, what was one joke he said? Oh, he goes, um, he goes, oh God, some some paedophiles is pasting horrendous stuff on my Facebook account. Yeah, I just remembered my password. Do you know what I mean? It, it he 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 makes um, child rape jokes. He makes. You know, he makes a lot of things that you just think, whoa, he really goes mm. for it. You know, he makes cancer jokes, death jokes, um, you know, um, it, and it, there, there's that gasp you get. There's that kind of, oh, my God, I shouldn't laugh at this, but I just realized I did because mm. how he frames and structures things is genuinely quite funny. Um it's just, is it absurdist and surreal enough that you can kind of take the take those words away from their meaning enough for it to be funny? Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. 
T, do you ever use it on the uh, the question of should comedy have limits or is it and is anything fair game? Um, I think to, to to echo Dan, I think you know, there's, I don't think there's necessarily. Uh, I think it's a, it's a huge grey area depending on you know the the what's culturally acceptable at the time, what um, what's the big thing that's in favour at the time, how, how sensitive a generation of people are. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of different factors that shift the goalposts as to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's funny, like, I... Um, I've always been a big fan of Eddie Murphy's original stand-ups, Raw and, um, and Delirious. And been a big fan of those since I was, you know, a kid or whatever. And I I had a, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I hadn't seen him for, for a long, long time. And I was raving about him to, to my girlfriend and saying, Oh, um, you know, we should check these out. You know, they're really funny. I haven't watched them in ages. Let's sit down and watch them. And, it was either raw, uh, might be, it might have been Delirious actually. Watched first, and obviously Delirious was filmed back in early eighties, I think, maybe eighty. So yeah, eighty two, eighty three, and he kicked off just with some uh, some derogatory gay comments, uh, lots of gay jokes, lots of homophobic jokes, um, with all within the first couple of minutes, and it was like, okay, well, and like I'd already seen it, so. Not that it didn't phase me, but it, it it didn't affect me as much as it did my girlfriend who hadn't seen it at all. And which and you know, if you're if you watch that through twenty twenty or twenty nineteen as well as last year, you know, watch it through current eyes, it's like, okay, that is absolutely terrible. And I'm not saying I'm not justifying, I'm not saying it's not terrible. I'm saying that because I'd seen it already, i I hadn't even thought about how bad it was until I saw it again. I was like, okay, wow, this is, this is not good. And we actually had turned it off because it was just not really comfortable to watch at all. But Do you, um, he's, he's actually been interviewed about some of his past standups and said that he cannot believe he, he you know, said the he, things. Yeah. Yeah. He said the things. Yeah. Exactly. And at the same time, I, I, I'm loath to vilify people to a certain extent for, you know, like, like I say, again, going back in the eighties, that sort of stuff barely raised an eyebrow and got laughs and, you know, Delirious and Raw did huge numbers, was hugely successful, catapulted Eddie Murphy's career um, off the back of him making a load of homophobic and in some parts racist jokes. So, you know, are you going to vilify the man now because of what he did back then? I, you know, I think if someone is able to look back at stuff like that and show a sense of remorse or a sense of acknowledgement that, look, I did what I did back then because it it was, you know, something that wasn't as frowned upon as it is now and I, you know, look back on it and I regret saying it, then I can kind of go, okay, fine, you know, Culture is always going to keep evolving, and and we're always going to be moving the goalposts on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So, I, I, you know, in terms of what whether comedy should have any sort of boundaries, I think, I think it's I, I think it's got to be down to 
the individuals. And I think one thing I was actually going to say was that, is that, especially in, like in the case of someone like Frankie Boyle or something like that, if your comedy relies so heavily upon you saying outlandish things to get a reaction or to make a name for yourself, personally, I don't think you're a very good comedian. I think you should be able to write your comedy and do your stand-ups off the back of just basic good comedy and not just from, you know, trying to get clickbait or trying to get headlines or trying to, you know, draw attention because you're saying outlandish stuff. I think you should at least, you know, if, yeah, I I, I think if that's what, what, what your comedy stands on, I think you're just not a very good comic, quite frankly, because to me it's easy to go out there and, you know, cause a bit of controversy and get people talking about you, but to actually stand on your own two feet and make some actually good humour, I think is is a real talent. So To be fair to Frankie Paul, I, I would say, you know, ninety percent of his act isn't that. Uh, yeah, um, no, so I, I, I said his name because we you no, were just talking about him and, no, and, totally. and that's something that is I don't sorry, I'm not I'm not calling out Frankie Ball as that because I do know I, I do recognise his genius and I do um, respect no, but your point is 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 golden because yeah. it people you know the press um, I don't know critics what wh- wh- whoever whoever mm. is on Twitter or whatever they do pick out that ten percent because it's a ten percent mm. of his jokes and quotes that that yeah, yeah. especially taken out of context that mm. he he gets renowned for I mean but if you take someone like Jerry Sadowitz I don't know if you've seen him yeah yeah christ he yeah. is his whole act is just savage it's trying and, to get that trying to get those gasps basically yeah exactly it yeah. is complete shock shock and awe comedy mm. and but he doesn't do it in um he doesn't he does it in closed public arenas forums you know he doesn't with with fans with people who pay to see him he doesn't really you don't get him on tv or radio mm. or much doing that sort of material because he kind of, you know, <laughs> he knows his it's audience. Very niche, very niche audience, yeah. Totally. Um, mm. But, you you know, you're completely right. Um, with, with Frankie Boyle, you know, he, he must still know that people are going to remember him for the, you know, the risky on mm. the bone jokes. And I think I think there's to that point as well. I think there's there's an element of you know it's a very fine line. Like he's very clever and he does write some amazing comedy, great stand up. Where you know at what point do you start to become um, a cliche of yourself? You know at what point do you start to recognize? Hey, the biggest pops I get are for me saying such and such things. So. I'm going to start putting more of that into my, like, it's, it's that balancing act. I'm not saying, you know, you should necessarily, you should necessarily dilute your act or anything like that. I just like, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are some comics out there who recognize that, Hey, if I say this thing, I'm going to get more eyes on me. So I'm going to start turning my act more towards this sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I think it's a very fine balancing act between, um, you know, good comedy and, you know, sharp wit, observation and satire and just all out, like you mentioned, shock and awe factor and just trying to get people to gasp at what the next shocking thing that you say. 
So, but in in defense of that kind of humor, just like in any form of art, there is always the notion of pushing the boundaries and uh, creating art in a context that you, as an as an individual, as an artist, hasn't has never done that before. And mm. we could probably list different forms of art in terms of uh, music and film and television and uh, literature where pushing that boundary results in a very obvious and uh, visceral uh, uh, whether it be a visual thing that you see like an intense uh, act of violence in a film or uh, the depiction the same depiction of that in a in a in a in a piece of fiction that you're reading um but then so within a comedy context could could is there an argument to say that presenting a joke in 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 a way that doesn't you know doesn't support your actual belief of it but in the in the notion of say a a joke about pedophilia or child rape as as was as as has been mentioned could that potentially be falling into a category of them trying to push their own boundaries as to what they can get a laugh for. Well, it's gallows humor, isn't it? It, it, It's there's there's a sense of very morbid gallows humor where you, you can achieve a laugh from the most base of topics. So I kind of, I kind of get that, but I feel we, we suffered through, you know, um, comedians like, uh, Roy Chubby Brown, Jethro, <laughs> hey. um, all the kind of God love them, Bernard yeah, Manning, all the Bernard Manning sixties and seventies comedians, which I think is a bit unfair to kind of. I'm not. I'm not because because Frankie Boyle is actually quite. Uh, d- despite his his um, some of the, the 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 opinions and some of the material he makes, he's he's a fairly well educated liberal ish guy you know he's very intelligent it's not like he he's racist or sexist or any of those things whereas you kind of feel like you know someone like um not bobby davo that's a crap crap example um wow a nice bloke but um yeah some of those you know jethro or you know you probably feel that they they are very dyed in the wool traditionalists. You know they they've come from they're, they're of a different era, and the humour that they present. You know it's part of the beliefs that you know they they know their audience. They know they're going out to, you know, middle middle to to middle aged, you know, mm. white right wing Britain, and mm. so. And unfortunately, there's probably still an audience like that. But I kind of feel like we've we've suffered through that, and most comedy has kind of come out the other end, and we've got this fairly insipid, middle of the road kind of um, BBC comedy now that's on TV that is Mrs. Brown's boys. Well, yeah, but even even it's people talk about Mrs. Brown's boys and say it's it's a bit. Uh, racist, it's a bit sexist, it's a bit, you know, it's all these kind of things. That show actually, that show actually, I I mean, I've not, I've watched all of half a second of it, but from the little snippets I see in like highlights and adverts and stuff like that, it kind of, whenever I think about it, it kind of reminds, reminds me of like, like, as you mentioned, going back to like those TV sitcoms of the 80s, that kind of, I don't know, like, 
I don't know. But yeah. Just yeah, no, it kind is. Of really corny, cheesy, borderline, say racist or, or whatever, but not, not racist, but, um, but do you know what I mean? Those kind of 80s yeah. sitcoms that were, that they don't show, that they don't show reruns of because there was lots of crap in it that is just not acceptable today. Um, and uh, yeah, for some reason, it just kind of reminds me that obviously it isn't because it's on like main, main, um, a mainstream time slot on BBC and it's doing big numbers. But um, yeah, for some reason, it just, it just kind of, Reminds me of that; those sorts of it, it is totally like that. It, it's totally right. very old school format. It's slightly more risque, and you know they they've kind of they they, they go to the edge of the line sometimes. You know, mm. for for the crowd that they're they're appealing to. But yeah. it, it it is weird, like the alternative comedy. You know, things like Young Ones, Alexis Sale, um, you know, French and Saunders in their heyday. Um, a lot of these a lot of that type of comedy that did used to push the boundaries and just complete anarchy, madness, left wing, Mm. you know, riotous, uh, very visual, very, you know, very slapstick comedy. Yeah. It's sort of disappeared now. Mm. Um, And you're left with the, the kind of, um, you know, um, what's it? Every night at the Apollo in Hammersmith, Oh, um, Michael, what's his name? Yeah, Michael McIntyre. And, Michael McIntyre, yeah. You know, Rob Beckett. Yeah. You know, all these all these comedians who, I, I don't I don't hate any of them. I don't have a great opinion um, against, you know, anything. They're, they're all kind of run-of-the-mill. But from it, it's interesting what, Iman, you were saying is, you know, I feel like none of them push any boundaries. They, they just keep within a safe lane. Hmm. And I think that's almost worse than someone like uh, Frankie Boyle, who just sort of thinks, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Go rip out. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a concept that makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm gonna create a funny and surreal gag out of it. And it's funny, you know, like have, I don't know if you guys have seen um, any of Dave Chappelle's um, stand-ups on Netflix. One he sticks and stones. Sticks uh, and stones. The most recent, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Have you watched the series as well? Oh, oh, the Chappelle Show. Show. Yeah, Yeah, that's genius. Absolutely genius. Um, you got paid sixty million dollars for that, by the uh, for the Netflix special, by the way. Uh, so so yeah, that's pretty special. But um, I I just going to read an excerpt from an article I was reading about it. Um, it said. Comedian Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up comedy special, Sticks and Stones, premiered on Netflix last week and it immediately faced a firestorm of criticism for its jokes. Many of the jokes were perceived as tone-deaf and hurtful, particularly those which used various groups of people as punchlines, such as women, sexual assault victims, Asians and members of the LGBTQ community, transgender people in particular. Brian Hart, founder and president of public relations agency Flackable, agreed that the humour in Sticks and Stones is unlikely to damage Chappelle's career but for entirely different reasons. He said that societal shifts exist on a pendulum, and right now that pendulum is swinging away from sensitivity after years of swinging towards it, which kind of like made me realise something as well, is that as much as you know, stuff like Chappelle's um, stand-up's got quite a bit of heat when it came out because he does go in pretty hard on, on the transgender community, um, not in a... not. 
Oh, it doesn't sound like I'm defending what he said, but not in a nasty way, but he made a joke basically out of uh, what could be perceived as transgender people's behaviour. And like probably go back a few years and that would have been all over the all over the place. People would have, you know, properly kicked off about it and it would have been it would have been quite a big hoo-ha. But there is um an interesting swing, like this guy said about the pendulum swing, kind of the other way now, I've noticed in the last year or so maybe, where people appear to be you know, you're, I'm seeing the word like snowflake and millennials getting called out for being oversensitive and stuff like that. And, you know, the, um, people need to learn how to take a joke. And it seems to be a bit of a a kind of a, a, a shift to walk more towards, you know, basically people toughening up and, and learning how to take a joke and, and not be so sensitive about things. I mean, is it something that you guys feel that you've noticed as well because I've, I've seen like just looking at social media and people's responses when something quote controversial happens in terms of someone saying something offensive it seems to be that I don't know it's uh swinging a bit more the other way so I've got like a hundred things going through my head now because I felt like I came in to this sort of with an with a with it, right, you've kind of blown my whole argument out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a great way, and I love that you've done that because. All right, so all right, let me just go back one point, and then I'm going to come straight back to to this topic because that's a yeah. I wish I thought to to watch this uh, recently. I saw it when it came out, and I liked it a lot. But and Stick, I'll sticks and stones, you mean? Sticks and stones, yeah. yeah which yeah, I yeah. think is a, is as a topic of of that of that he covered it. Is so pertinent, I thought, to this yeah. specific conversation. I can see yeah. that now. Yeah. And it, I, can't, I saw it when it initially came out. But anyway, so hang on. Let me go back. So my, my whole thought, in response to the question of should comedy have limits, my initial response is yes. But I accept that I'm very cyclical in that because I initially think, yeah, there should be limits. I don't think people should have free reign to make jokes of, uh, rape and uh, terminal illnesses and uh, I don't think racist jokes do you know what I mean I go through yeah. this list yeah. and I think what why would anyone want to make jokes about stuff like that but then I you know I wonder where my bar stops and then mm. if I say jokes on I don't know one two and three are okay but then Dan might say well no one and two from your list that you say is okay they offend me so mm. now you've got to lower that bar and then mm. if Dan says jokes three, four, and five, for example, are fine, then Tej will say, well, no, no, those jokes offend me. So ultimately, we're left with knock-knock jokes. Also, because, just to, just to chip in very quickly. Who regulates that? Who regulates that? Just to chip in very quickly. Yeah, I, I, just, I just thought of something that may also blow your argument another way as well. <laughs> but I, I just or based on what you're just saying there. But carry on and I'll, I'll bring it up at the end. Okay, so right, so that that's kind of where I'm at. So then I accept that well, you can't have limits because no one person can set those limits. That do you know what I mean? You, yeah, you, yeah. It, it comes down to trust in just the person's basic. I want, I want you to more, decency. More, well, more, more, yeah, more, more, more yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why would you want to make jokes about certain things? But I saw, so I saw that Dave Chappelle thing, and another another kind of category sort of in a 
weird way that I would group that stand up with is Chris Rock's tambourine. Hmm. Because those both of those, I in a weird way, I didn't look at them as stand ups. I looked at them as two ultimately comedy icons and i don't think that's a disputable term when it comes Mm. to those two they were two comedy icons detailing life as they see it in their i don't know late 40s early 50s the social commentary it was very much a social commentary and for chris rock's tambourine it's fantastic and it's basically him looking at life post-divorce looking at how far his comedy and his his status has has come and where that leaves him as a single man in a, almost a, trying to start dating again. again Broke, probably. Divorce. And, well, he, yeah, he makes that joke <laughs> a few times as well. But the Dave Chappelle thing is really interesting because I watched that and I didn't agree with a lot of what he said, but I will confess there were jokes he made that I thought that's... I got that and I thought that that was funny and I mm. almost agree, and I agreed with them. Mm. But I looked at that as... Because of the, the the umbrella I put that, but those stand ups are in those particular shows in terms of them discussing life as they see it at this point, I just totally accepted it. What they said is that's their opinion. Hmm. I didn't think anything Dave Chappelle said was there for shock factor. I took that as he was very he was being very honest about how he saw things that had happened in the media hmm. and uh, uh, the Twitter generation, how they respond to things, and it was him being honest. And I kind of thought, I don't agree with a lot of what he had said, mm-hmm. but he, that was the pur- that was the purpose of the show for him to yeah, say you, what he you wanted can, to say about how he saw things. And yeah, you can accept it. Yeah, you can accept it because it's him making an observation rather than him yes. making a joke at the expense of someone else. I, exactly. I, see, I can yes. see the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see and the difference that yeah. you distinguished there. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was my assessment. But I fully, I didn't, you know, support, et cetera, everything that he had said. And I kind of felt some of them might be wrong. I thought like the LGBTQ, a couple of jokes were about specific things. I honestly didn't know what he was referring to or who he was referring to in certain mm-hmm. things. So I kind of, I didn't really know where to sit on that, yeah. on that one. But um, in general, I just sort of thought that was his opinion. And if, and I would never want to take that away from someone, if you know what I mean, as opposed to yeah. a joke, boom, that's there for shock. Hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, yeah, I, I, that, and that's a really good point as well, actually, in terms of that observational, especially observational comedy at a time where the world's changing so rapidly. I mean, you know, um, the you know the whole. I'm not even going to try and do the acronym, but LGBTQ. Hopefully, I got that all right. I think um, there's more but, now. There's a yeah, plus. I think there's a plus as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think, especially with stuff like that, that that's constantly growing and changing. And I, I, I think a lot of people um, around sort of our age and older to kind of wrap your head around that is just, and I'm just talking about just that, um, the expansion and involvement of, of, uh, of that subset of people alone is, uh, can, I, I can imagine must be an absolute mindfuck. And, you know, his observations about the whole thing, I think, you know, got such a laugh and a lot of people responded to it because they recognised just how, like, you know, that situation is, trying to wrap your head around it is just really crazy oh, and really tough. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, there's a lot of other things as well around sexuality and, um, 
you know um uh you know the me too movement all the all the things like yeah, our, yeah. our society is evolving at to it, from my eyes anyway our society is evolving um morally at, at and has evolved morally at such a rapid rate over the last uh, over a really short period of time as well um that you know for someone to make the observations that he made i i i'll admit i i i recognize a lot of that i was like that yeah that's i I don't necessarily agree necessarily with what you're saying, but I can see why you would observe it and go I, yeah. and call this thing out. So yeah, so that, that just to echo what you what you were saying, um, I, I think yeah. an element of 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 honesty of self referencing is in you know you're, you're stating something that you think well look I'm going to present my an initial knee jerk an opinion an uneducated mm. opinion. I think as long as you you kind of quantify what you're saying with 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 some honesty some context yeah rather than just ignorantly throwing all, <laughs> throwing all your weight behind something and saying you know that's it that's how it is and that's what it is and that's why it's wrong or we should laugh at it and i think mm. you know it's it, it, it's kind of weird on the whole gender thing because um, Graham Linehan, who you know, who um, wrote um, "I See Crowd," yeah, and Father Ted and Father the Ted. Father Ted comes, he's become involved, embroiled in. You, you see it on Twitter, and occasionally there's articles. Um, he's in, in interpretations of of gender and, and identities, and when when you when you can, you know, challenge that. You know, what, from what age can you can you challenge your gender identity? And I don't, I don't want to go into it. It's something that I, I you know, e- even on a, on a podcast like this, it, it, I don't want to express any kind of opinion on it because stay clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm not. I don't have the the knowledge or the education or the understanding or the the viewpoint to to make any kind of opinion. Or the children. Or the children. Yeah. Or anything. <laughs> or anything. Or, 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 Peter, you have nothing. You have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> I am without. I am chronically without. But I, I find it strange that someone he he's now embroiled in the in these constant battles, and I'm just like, oh man, why? And I, I get he must really believe whatever he believes, but it's it's such a strange place for someone like him to be. Yeah. Um, and you've got an, another example, and it, this is kind of steering away from comedy, but a lot, but a lot of comedians do, you know, that they, they look up to the Smiths and they look up to Morrissey, and oh, most God. of them have had, had, yeah, have had to talk. To oh, oh, weird, weird, uh, weird story. I uh, was sat next to Morrissey in a swanky bar in Vancouver. When I was there in October, like literally sat like a meter from him, uh, he didn't recognise me for some weird reason. I don't know why, but you know, <laughs> you know so it goes sometimes. Sorry, but, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's someone that people quote. You know, love love his music. You know, love the Smiths, but don't really vibe with his views anymore. Um, and yeah, it, it it's kind of it it's weird how there there are lines that seem to be drawn, and then people sort of back away from 
you know, their their fandom, and we've kind of covered that mm. in another podcast. But I also think that there's a lot of kind of taboo subjects that can be delivered, like the punchlines and, and the comic element of something which you think, why, why, why would you, you know, can, can it be done with another topic matter? If not, then can you make it surreal enough that the punchline doesn't feel as controversial? As aggressive, yeah. As aggressive, as, as kind of personal. I mean, I, I used to, I mean, as, as at school, I was quite savage in terms of, you know, putting... You know, just at school? People down. <laughs> just oh, wait, wait, that stopped. Well, this is news to me. I, I, I think I, I kind of, you know, I used to wage a war of wor- of words with people and insults, but I found that the more ridiculous, the more off, off, you know, off the world, offbeat, surreal the insults, the the better it genuinely was, the, the more it kind of got to people. Because you, you could call someone... It, it's it's like me referring to Imran from Evermore as Peanut. And he'd be like, giving him no <laughs> other context of why I'm calling him Peanut. Please do that. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what are you referring to? And is it, is it this? Is it that? No, 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 nothing. No, nothing. It's and then a just, stupid name. <laughs> just keep calling him Peanut. Um, there, there's a guy, there's a friend of mine, I don't think any of you guys have met him, um, who I once referred to as having, I, did, I said he looked like a human cockerel. And <laughs> I did, yeah, it was weird. He's he's about six foot seven. He's huge, or six foot eight. And for ages, he just, people found that it's so absurd to call someone a human cockerel. And it was so weird, and people just loved calling him that. Me, me, obviously, I, I kept this running joke. And he, he, I remember him one, once turning around to me and saying, "Oh, you know, is is it something to do with?" Um, what, what <laughs> Finish is, that um, sentence. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> see where this is going. <laughs> it's really weird. It's um, where you where you kind of I think where you take someone else's wife or you, you have sexual scenarios with what? a what? married couple. What's it called? Um, <laughs> oh, a cuckold. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. And he said, you know, you're making me out to be, you know, I cuckold. <laughs> and I was like, no. It's the way you scream at 5 a.m. every day. Yeah. <laughs> And, you yeah, know, you really got to stop doing that, dude. But he really hated it, and obviously, the more he hated it, the more people, you know, it's the rule of repetition and and and, and reaction. The more he reacted to it, the more people called him it. But I had to say to him, "Look, there's nothing in it that you don't. Of course, you don't look like a human cockerel. There's not one aspect of your personality or how you look or act that that resembles." A cockerel or any other form of animal in my, in my but it, you know it's what it just, is? It's just it's just because the word cockerel is funny. That's why it is. It is funny, and obviously, if I if I continuously refer to him man as old peanut, old peanuts. Oh god, what's what's peanuts up to again? Okay. God, and, I feel like this is already going to catch on. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've received three texts in the last <laughs> two minutes from <laughs> from various people listening to this live podcast. <laughs> they go on to the, the already, radio. I've already, I've already changed my your name on my phone. So. 
It's uh, locked in forevermore. But so is- while okay, while talking about mean names and uh, stuff like that, let, let's. Uh, there's another part of this conversation I want to go to. So, but before we get there, can we just go back to the Ricky Gervais stuff for a moment? Because um, this is a good segue about just being generally mean, Daniel. And yeah. um, where, where do you guys sit on his Golden Globes uh, hosting duties? Because personally, I was never a fan, and I thought they were an embarrassment to himself. I thought he made himself look ridiculous. Um, I, well, first of all, I really genuinely don't think he gives a crap. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I, I think he, I think, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a part of me that's like, you know, the, regardless of how much money these people have got and blah, 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 you know, they're still human beings and yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. However, conversely, a lot of the things that he said were brutally honest and were right on the money in reference to a lot of, not to everyone that was there, but um, I don't, I don't think it's something you can blanket say yet. Yeah, all celebrities are bad and all that, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, is it the other things that he said going to harm anyone in that room's, uh, celebrity status? Is it going to harm anyone's bank balance? Is it, in real terms, going to harm anyone's feelings, emotions, or their mental, you know, stability? I highly, highly, highly doubt that. Well, um, they might do. I mean, he made fun of, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, stint at, at rehab, uh, so that would probably harm his mental ability. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 Mel Gibson I, and well, I would be, that guy's done. I would be very, very, very shocked if Robert Downey Jr. in his current, <laughs> in his current, um, status was like mentally affected by a couple of words that a British comic said to him one time at awards ceremony. I mean, you know, I, 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 yes, it's uncomfortable to watch because when you're being brutally honest about people, people's hypocrisy that kind of stuff is really difficult to watch because you're calling people out and you're saying look you're all bloody hypocrites and this and this whole thing's absolute bullshit um you know uh, was that the right platform to do it on maybe it was because (laughs) you know uh, well you know he could write a column in the times he could um, host his own stand-up show and, and rant and rave about it and all the rest of it. But, you know, that sort of stuff isn't going to get as many eyes on it as you would do calling people out right then and there when they can, when there's no escape and there's no way for them to, to get away from it. But I think, you know, for me, it's like, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, if he's, if he's abusing disabled children at a, at a charity do for, for, uh, for whatever, then yes, it, you know, but I, I I find it I find it hard to have sympathy for the people that he was having to go out in that situation because you know I you know I don't think any of them really you know two weeks after that, I, I'd be surprised if any of them really remembered about it you know it's it's yeah I I I wasn't bothered about about it at all to be honest. And for me, I just, I don't like mean-spirited comedy in that respect. Mm. And I, I just think he had done, every time he does it and he would always create 
quite a storm about it and then he'd be interviewed and he would always say I don't play to the room I play to the people watching at home and nobody wants me to want nobody wants to see me kiss all their asses and it's like but why are those the two options kiss their asses and or savagely <laughs> maul them why is there mm. no middle ground that you can that you can you know uh play in and and sit in and and go from there i don't understand why you well, have to just i guess well, i guess the argument though, I, I guess yeah and i, I guess the, the 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 conversely like for years you've had you've had the people that have been up there and and have pandered to the celebrities and been all lovey-dovey you've had the middle of the road people as well that have gone up and said a few little things here and there and you know been a little bit edgy here and there where they can be but largely they've played it they've played it straight down the middle so to a certain extent why go up there and do the same thing that everyone else has been doing it's like look this and, and also it's not like he's doing something completely out of character because it's if you know if you watch any of Ricky Gervais's stand-ups or you kind of look at his comedy and the and the way he operates it's not like it's not like um trying to think of it's not like Bobby Davro going up there and then going and savaging <laughs> the whole of Hollywood you know <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to call that one out but um <laughs> you know what I mean it's not something that's completely against his character so and also it's not like he it was a one and done they brought him back and he did the same thing again it's three times yeah. three times yeah three times he's done it so wow oh, it's more so, than three, I think yeah, so yeah, yeah so it's, so there's there's obviously an understanding with the Oscars. It is the Oscars, right? Yeah, it's a it's um no, Golden Globes. Globes. Yeah, Gold, sorry, Globes. Yeah, there's obviously an understanding that they know what they're getting because it's not like he's got it there once and like absolutely written to shreds. And you know they've brought him back again and again and again, and they know what they're going to get, which is headlines, clickbait. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it, the whole thing feeds itself. So that's why I'm like, look, you know what you signed up for. This is what you're getting. You did it because you wanted to get more eyes on what is arguably a failing um, entity as well, because I, right. I think they were really struggling for viewing figures the last few years as well. So they know when Gervais comes on, he's going to rip hopes to shreds. Everyone's going to click on it. Everyone's going to get uh, be talking about it. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Thumbs up from you, Dan. Is it? Well, I think when he when he first started doing it, it was, you know, there there was genuine like, oh my god, oh no, he didn't, and it it was, yeah, it was uncomfortable. I I, I remember responding to it because you know he's he's one of the few, few UK comedians who at the time is as big as he as he was in America, and you kind of think, oh. Oh man, what is it? What what is he doing? But then, as it as it kind of played out, and as you know, um, TJ said, the more that they, they've invited him back, it's a set formula. They know what he got, he's he's going to do, and he's going to say in terms of you know he's going to do one long intro that savages loads of you know kind of current comedian, uh, sorry, celebrities and news. And then he does, you know, some follow-ups. And people just, you know, you, you kind of know what you're going to get. And, and the, the celebrities in the audience, they expect it now, which kind of t- has taken the edge off. So I've, I felt like, yeah, at first I was a bit like, yeah, I'm not too sure about this. But the more he, you know, the more he's he's done it, which is five times, it really is five times. Wow. The more I've kind of thought, yeah, well, you know, they 
as 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 uh, TJ says, it gets clickbait, it gets news, it makes headlines for you know for a few hours afterwards, and people talk about it, and people tune in to see what he says. Um, and I almost I almost separate Ricky Gervais from you know that that kind of mean spirited persona because that's not. If you if you if you see a stand up, yes, he he is quite capable of doing those sort of jokes, and every stand up he does at least one or two celebrity or anti celebrity jokes. But I think he just gives the the crowd what what they want. He probably didn't do it as consciously as we think to start off with. He just probably thought, well, they're putting a UK comedian who's known for being acid tongued. You know, if you think remember the eleven o'clock show. Mm-hmm. Uh, why he started out you know he he he's his comedy has always been you know quite brutal savage outspoken so he's like well i'm an outspoken uk comedian most most people don't you know most people in america know the us office they don't know the office so yeah i think he thought well, i'm just going to give this a try if it doesn't work uh forget it i'll i don't care um but yeah but now that formula gets booked um, not every year, but as I said, five times, and it's pretty funny. I think I think celebrities brush, you know, it's like water for ducks back now. Uh, as TJ said, the headlines are gone within a few days. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to really be anti it, even though I do get what you're saying, you're man. Mean spirited comedy where you really, you know, you. you you go for the jugular of the, the the kind of weakest individuals or the individuals who are, you know, kind of maybe having a bad time. It's you know, real low hanging fruit, but mm. yeah, they're celebrities. They'll get over it. They'll forget about it. Um, yeah. So who cares? They get their gift bags off and get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so the the kind of final part. I guess to this conversation is well. I, is a lot- sorry, but if you, before you get to, the, to your final part, I, I had a very quick uh, thing to interject uh, based on what you were talking about earlier. So, around um, in terms of like we we're talking about people making inappropriate comments about you know disabilities and LGBTQ and um, about race and sexism. How does that? Do you, if you're a disabled comic, do you immediately get a pass to make comic comedy, comedy or inappropriate comedy about disability? Or if you're a black comic, do you get an uh, an immediate pass to make inappropriate comments about race? Or if you're a gay comic, do you get to make? Do you know what I mean? Like that is where the situation though, isn't it? Yeah, what, absolutely. I yeah. don't know if it's right. It's, but it, that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's how I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on it. Like, is there, you know, if you're talking about drawing a line, is that where the line is? Like, you're you if there if there was going to be a line, you're only allowed to make derogatory, I'm say derogatory, push the boundaries of comedy in areas that you are camped in. If that makes sense. So okay, actually, you know what? That that's actually a really. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a really fascinating question. And I suppose, you know what, and funnily enough, it sort of kind of tenuously ties into the final part of this whole conversation. Right. Uh, yeah. But see, so there's an objective perspective, which would probably be a written joke should stand by itself, regardless of who says it. So right. if a non-disabled person says the same joke, the, the same self-deprecating or kind of joke that a disabled person makes about himself one is acceptable one wouldn't be acceptable mm-hmm. right and I, I i've got the weirdest example in the world i don't know why this popped in my head because i remember reading about it in the paper and being fascinated because i'd never seen anything like this called into question and it's not a comedy based thing but it, it really highlights i think what you're saying but i remember reading about uh britain's got talent and um there were uh there was four vocalists uh i, I think they were vocalists uh yeah, four, they were black guys. And Alicia Dixon, who's a judge on that show, or I don't know if she still is, she mm. said her words were, look at you, something like you fine chocolate men. That's what she said. <laughs> and that generated, um, apparently, there were loads of complaints. Yeah. Because they said a white person wouldn't have been able to say what she said. Mm. Yeah. And there were huge amounts of complaints. And she basically said, F off. Like, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I, that, you know, I've said what I've said and I'm, yeah. I have nothing to apologize for. But yeah. I was stunned because you're, you're, to sort of highlight what you're saying, no one ever calls into question that point, do they? They just accept, yeah. well, you're allowed to say that because you're disabled or you're from this racial uh, background. So yeah. no one ever sort of says. But the objective point is, well, if one person can say it, everyone should be able to say it as opposed to why only is this person allowed? That's quite, yeah. Yeah, that's quite a fascinating uh, point. It goes back to what I was saying at the start about wh- who, who is your audience and the context and who's saying it. Because, for example, okay, we could put um, a Nas tune on right now, right? And all three of us sing the lyrics. And, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> Go on, say it, say it. Including, <laughs> including, including the N-word, right? In no. different, uh, Nars. Lyrics. We can all, Nars. It's okay, Dan, we can all say Nars, it's fine. The, the, the other N-word in, in the lyrics, right? And and everyone will be like, uh, well, hang about. How, mm. dare, how dare they? Yeah. And then they'll be like, but we don't know. Presumably, no one's seen a photo of any of us. Yeah. Uh, those our background, our ethnicity, our religion, our skin color. So, yeah. w- where are you left there? Yeah, this, yeah, you know. But it's, I, I always find it fascinating, especially like again, like you say, with stuff like that, or um, just kind of, you know, is it? And everyone's. I've seen so many various answers on whether stuff like that's double standards or not, you know, can can a white guy say the N-word if they're singing long term rap tune because a black guy came up with the lyrics and, you know, is it okay? Like, or like you say, you know, there's, there's um, stuff that you say to your friends that you wouldn't say to a different crowd and like you'd go to your point, Dan, about knowing your audience. Um, it's... Uh, it, I, I, there's no easy answer to it um but i do find it extremely fascinating when people start talking about you know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable because it's like well 
who's saying it? What what's the context? You know, who are they saying it to? Um yeah, it says I, I just thought I'd throw that one in there as well. Cause, uh something that you said earlier mate reminded me of of that sort of quandary. Well no, I think it's a yeah, no, it's a perfect inclusion. And what I was gonna say about like the final part was basic was was exactly that actually. It was the way the audience responds to a joke. So I mean, uh, uh, this isn't going to tie into what I was about to say, but I, and I, we've sort of touched on this in various parts as well. But when you mentioned um, the Eddie Murphy material, so there was no backlash at the time. No. So when you, when you said um, about, you know, do we vilify Eddie Murphy for material uh, that he had said before? Well, that we we as individuals, or excuse me, we as fans of that material from way back, having watched it, we have no right to vilify him because we laughed. Hmm. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Way back then, that's yeah. what that's what it was, and we we found it. I laughed my butt off when I when I first saw uh, Delirious. Like, but no, I, 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 I I haven't seen it in years, so I imagine yeah. I would have the exact same response as you now, and I would turn it on and think, oh my gosh, I didn't well, think to, it was to, that bad. To that point as well, uh, like. You know, if you cast your mind back, back when you watched it then, you laughed along with the jokes, you thought they were funny. And I, again, I think this goes back to my reaction when I watched it with my girlfriend. I was more... if I'd have, I, It's interesting, actually. I don't know how I would have reacted if... If I was on my own, I may, being completely honest, not have um, oh, well, yeah. reacted as... as um, abhorrently to it as I did when I was with my girlfriend and that was and I think that's a I think that's an emotional response thinking back to when I first watched it and the and the humor that I found in it when I first watched it not saying that I would have laughed along but I would, would have probably done been like okay yeah that's a bit off mm. I uh, whereas in the in the instance when I was watching my girlfriend we, we switched it off because it, it was just not not comfortable viewing but I think there's there's also like a a, a with stuff like that, I think there's a bit of a a weird emotional response of oh, when I was a kid, I found this really funny. So, not it's acceptable, but I the nostalgia of it carries you through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah, it's definitely a nostalgia thing um, about it. But yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a it's um it's just a sign of the uh, how rapidly the world is evolving morally and. Um, socially it's it's yeah it's not an easy easy subject well it's like making jokes about you say say you you know you're kind of a political satirist and you decide to go into the anti-semitism area it's like if i was to do that i'd be like well i i don't i don't understand any of it i don't know what 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 is what the anti-semitic content of the mm. argument that is dividing or was or still is dividing the Labour Party. I don't I don't know what it is. So therefore yeah. I'm not gonna go there because yeah. I don't understand it. I don't know I'm not Jewish. Um yeah. start um etc etc. So it it's it's sort of if if you're I think if I was comfortable with the, 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 the topic the subject matter so that I could actually see it from both sides enough to make a comment on it that actually yeah. found a central truth, a central truth that was funny that both sides of the coin could say, well, yeah, 
um, I can I can look at myself and know that I'm a bit like that, and the other mm. person says, "Yeah, you're you're kind of right. That is how it is." Then then I think that's okay because otherwise, for me, if I was to go, you know, God forbid, if I was to, to start doing stand up, I'm a I'm a white, you know, lower working class middle working class now middle class male with no particular religious or cultural ties i'd be be like well i can't i I have no recourse to comment on anything yeah yeah Yeah. because i I have no right to and it's like well surely that can't be the case surely there must be any anyone who's in it's a shared society i mean Mm. the, the brilliant thing you know three of us live in london london is the most most multicultural uh you know quasi-religious interesting you know microcosm of society that everything happens here that we experience we experience everything and whether or not we understand it we all have comments on it and you, you kind of feel like i should be able to call something out as an observation and if it if it gets laughs, it gets laughs. But it's an observation. It's a it's a truth. As long as I'm I'm not, you know, aiming to you know if if I if I know that I'm going to cause offence, then stay clear. Yes, yeah, yeah, stay well clear. <laughs> but it's funny with what causes offence, though, isn't it? Because it's it's almost impossible to predict the way this kind of this wave of like. Uh, social media-esque kind of liberal-minded collective kind of en masse, you know, assembles and deems something inappropriate, you know? And I think a lot of what Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones was a a, a lot of in response to that in terms of just how, why, why have you all agreed that this is wrong? Why do you all agree that this is right? And I, I kind of find that kind of that almost traveling wave that scours social media. I find that quite interesting in the way that they can look at something like, do you remember that I, I highlighted this as an example to you earlier, but um, the, the James Franco and Seth Rogen movie, the interview, which is a, a film about, uh, the, um, them being uh, hired by the CIA to have to assassinate Kim Jong uh, Un or ill is ill, mm. isn't it? Um, uh, and they were going to uh, like assassinate him. And then when North Korea responded saying this is inappropriate, you know the way people and Hollywood responded saying this is, you know, how dare you stifle creativity? How dare you stifle, you know, the artist's pen? And it's like, well, hang on, they, they're shitting on an entire country. And yeah, yeah. like, how, how, how is Hollywood defending the right to do that? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to what I, uh, the article that I quoted earlier in terms of that social, <clears throat> social uh, shifts, like swinging back and forth, depending on, you know, I, I, there, there really seems to be uh, an anti um, anti sensitivity movement that's kind of swinging that. And I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, if you decide to put any form of artistic, you know, whether it's comedy or drama or whatever it is, I think, I think, I think the fact of the matter is that whatever you put out there, someone somewhere is going to be offended by something you do, like. You know, if this goes out to a million people, a, per- a percentage of them 
are going to fight a fence in something I've said, something you said, regardless of whatever, you know, however sensitive we think that we've tried to be, there's going to be someone out there who takes offense with something that's, you know, especially, and especially when it comes to comedy as well. Um, you know, I'm completely offended by Mrs. Brown's boys, but hey, you know, um, it's on, it's on mainstream TV at a, a mainstream time slot. So, um, Ofcom, I guess, don't find it too offensive, but you know, I just, uh, the whole thing, all that kind of stuff, it, it's so subjective depending on, again, a million different factors. And I, I don't, I think, we could. This is probably one of the longest podcasts we've recorded in ages, but and uh, and there's a reason for that. It's because there are no definitive, you know, answers. right or wrong or answers. Yeah, to to you know what's what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Who um, gets to say what's acceptable? You know, who gets offended by what? It's it's yeah, it's all open to interpretation and and subjectiveness massively. Have you both seen uh, the Kirby enthusiasm? Uh, season that had Fatwa the musical. No, no, oh. <laughs> uh, it is amazing. It, it, it basically at the end of the day, uh, Larry David decides to do a musical based on the the life of Salman Rushdie and then, <laughs> wow. Fatwa. I think that's roughly the the the, <laughs> the topic. And in it, um, uh, Larry David is is promoting that he's making this musical and he goes on, uh, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel. I think it's Jimmy Kimmel uh, and does a lot of impressions of the Iman. Um, I hope I've got that right. Hmm. Um, but he, he, he basically takes, takes the, the, the piss out of the, the fatwa and the nature of it and that elements of that religion. And obviously he's Jewish and in it, he he gets a fatwa put on him in real life, in 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 real life in the show, and <laughs> it's it's hilarious. He he then has to start wearing disguises and it. But I kind of thought about it and I and I and I thought back to it and I'm like, well, this is this is art pretending to be life because it's like a, almost like a documentary style uh, Kirby enthusiasm. Yeah. And I thought, but what if an iman did watch that? And even though they know it's it's comedy, it's not real, it's not serious. It's is it not still mocking the fatwa, that religion, that that? Do you know what I mean? Could could then you know from from yeah, doing, sure. you know what I mean? Life imitating yeah. art, imitating life, and it all uh, goes horribly wrong. Absolutely. Well, I, I obviously I haven't seen. The only thing I know about that is what you've just said. But it sounds like knowing what I what I've never actually seen that show very much but I'd love to, but um, I always, I kind of got the, imp- would, I would have assumed that the joke is actually on the character. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that, is, not- so that's kind of, if you, if you can, you can almost say or do what you want as long as the butt of the joke is, has to be him. It would no, have to I, be Larry, right? I think it is, but I wouldn't, I still, it's a guess. I'd, I'd have to find out, but I reckon he probably went to, you know some of the religious leaders on that side of the the argument and and sort of said you know look i'm going to do this is this okay mm. i'm sure he would have because he's a very intelligent respectful person um because yeah you, you, that 
that is an area. I mean, you talk about Charlie Hebdo thing, but this, the whole fatwa thing, that that's a that's quite a sensitive area to yeah. take the Mickey out of. So I'm, um, I, I reckon he probably did actually mm. try and make sure it was going to be okay before he did it. But yeah, um, it again, it, it's just like you, you, if you were writing something that incendiary as the Charlie Hebdo stuff, why you just think, well, where, where does, where does art finish and outrage and all out, you know, I mean, you're, you're promoting violence. You're promoting all these horrendous responses and you just think, well, is art worth that? Should art, should it come to, because uh, we've talked about this a little bit with, um, uh, not like oh yeah, Life of Brian. When Life of Brian came out, now that's a comedy, but that had protests across America outside cinemas with, you know, very far right religious groups and even moderate religious groups, um, protesting against it, and um, yeah, it got a lot of cinemas wouldn't show it, and even though the people probably you know the 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 pythons uh they were probably many of them were brought up catholic and obviously had the knowledge um and religion to probably you know be able to make that film but ultimately you know um white religious america and quite a lot of other countries were like no you, you can't take the mickey out of God and Jesus, you just can't. We're not going to accept it. Um, and I and I wonder now if you know, as TJ says, life, reality, the world is changing at a million miles per hour. What's acceptable? What's not? What 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 from a moral standpoint is how things should be? And you just wonder if if uh, Monty Python or anyone made a film about you know, like Life of Brian. Uh, a parody of, you know, the story of the Son of God. What would happen now? Would would people just go? You know what? Um, uh, Catholicism and Christianity has been mocked for centuries now. Have at it. It's fair game. Or would people say, you know, no, no, you can't do that. Um, but if 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 you know, if if people did a did a a film mocking any other religion what would happen i don't want to go there because that's you know um a fiery topic but yeah it's weird it's what you know 10 in 10 years time where will we be what will we be able to say will things that we we found outrageous and offensive now just be nothing um in the future just meaningless or will things that we think are okay and normal now be absolutely taboo in 10 years time yeah I think religions come up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll cut my vocabulary down by about 90 percent so i believe religions only just come up actually so yeah that's a great point no there's a reason why it didn't come up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the final very very final point that i had uh, that in terms of which i've just sort of thought of which was you know, we talked about that kind of collective things of what can offend and what won't offend. 
it kind of brings to mind. I, 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 I'm not. I may not regale this correctly. I imagine you both will, though. Um, but Louis C.K. comes to mind um, as someone who uh, I don't know. I think are you, but you were fans. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I went to see him live. Yeah, uh, did, yeah, yeah, a few, a few years ago. Uh, yeah, it's a huge fan. shock. A shock humor, like he's quite extreme. He can make quite extreme jokes. Is that correct? Um. Yes. I. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's funny yeah. because he he's had such a. But also, a, sorry, just to chime. Yes, but also that he he leans more towards that again that sort of observational, mm. um, self uh, deprecating style of humor to a certain extent. Yeah, I I, I get so. Okay, so it it seemed like obviously before the incidents that that were that transpired and that obviously derailed his entire career. Up to that point, he had a very loyal and devoted following. His star was, you know, continually on the rise. But obviously, what came to light about what he was doing uh, did, and uh, he had to sift off into uh, obscurity for a while. But then there were those reports that he had started to try and reintroduce himself in. In, a, in smaller clubs and try to, you know, work on his new material, try to, you know, mm. um, get it to play. But yeah. I remember the reports coming out were that, well, you're, he's, he was doing ultimately not the same jokes, but the same style material that he had done before. But it bombed because who he was as a person is a completely different thing now. You know, right. it was kind yeah. of like, you can't make those jokes because you, you are the person... <laughs> that you've yeah. almost joked that you weren't, you know, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. he seems to have completely lost that. I always thought that him coming back in any context would always have been very difficult. How do you embrace someone? Who yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one though. Like, like you can, you can joke about joking off when people don't know for a fact that you joked off in front of a woman, but yeah. But when you, they find out that it's actually true, suddenly it's like, it's not so funny anymore. It's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, oh yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, actually, I'm not going to comment too much about it because I don't know the full ins and outs of, I know obviously surface level what happened, but I don't know. Oh What's sure, happened? no, no, I, it, not What's to at all discuss. Or... Yeah, no, no, not to discuss yeah, yeah. that. But in terms yeah. of the, the reaction to his comedy after was yeah, interesting yeah. because that it was the same as I understood. But people just sort of thought, well, you're not the same, and that's yeah. kind of that line of just lost kind of, that support. That's kind of a failing on on his part. Then I, I would say to a certain extent because you kind of feel. I mean, again, I I, I don't know what his material's like when he came back. Like you're saying, he was playing in small clubs and. Um, he's not been on TV or anything the like same, that at all. But the same material, if, that, that's the problem. But if he's, yeah, if he's doing exactly the same material, I kind of think, and again, this kind of goes back to my my f- uh, first comment around, you know, if you're a good comedian, you, you know, and, but your comedy only stands upon you going out there for shock value or whatever, then to me that you're, you're, you're showing limitations. Like, you know, for the, all the stuff that he went through, surely you would think, okay, there are certain things I can't or shouldn't or should probably stay away from because the obvious reaction is going to be 
you know, it's, it's going to be re- re- some sort of rejection. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was an arrogance there and he, and he figured, you know, the people yeah. that are actually going to come to see me are going to be my hardcore fans so I can yeah. make light of the stuff that's, that's happened to me. But then, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was just a test. Oh, I was just going to say, maybe it was just a testing ground. Maybe he did that stuff just to kind of see what can I get away with? What can I still get away with? What can, can't I get away with? And then maybe he goes and evolves from there. I don't know, but yeah, I, don't. I think I think it's because he didn't really show much contrition. You know, he didn't really he didn't own the the fact that his behaviour was unacceptable, and he was still kind of making jokes about other behaviours. And you're like, well, or or other people and other things. Where you say, well, hang about. You can't really, yeah. You can't joke about these things because people are a going to think, well, do you, do you do that? Or you can't mock other people for behaving in certain ways when you've behaved like a uh, just an idiot. I mean, it's just a stupid thing to do, really. And I'm not, I'm not going to attack or defend him. That's you know a whole other podcast. But ultimately, yeah, his his voice and his act has to kind of. You know, first it has to address what he's done, mm. and he also has to kind of, you know, position his humour a bit better because he's like, well, hang on, I can't go around making the same jokes when, you know, I don't have the moral high ground anymore, and I can't make jokes about things which now suddenly seem plausible. Because you know, as you said, he he did make jokes about wanking and 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 all kinds of things where you know you're like, ah, oh, Louis C.K. He's such a card. Oh, he's so hilarious. Those mm. surreal jokes. It's like, well, they're not surreal. They're they're you know they're potentially real behaviours which people took as tongue in cheek. And it's like, yeah, mm. it's not. It's not because we we I think oh, God, I feel like we talked about it before. But Aziz and Zari is another one. Where he, you know, he he got he he a date went very wrong. The the, the girl in the date, you know, the, the stuff that happened, she wasn't didn't feel it was consensual. It was forced. And I've listened to a few of his stand ups since, where he has addressed it. And I think, without moralizing, without making out he's a victim or making out he's in the right or the wrong. He's just literally just said, look, you know, everything about what happened and how it happened and everything after has made me consider everything so differently and think of things in a different way and think about my own behavior. So instead of really sort of thrusting the this kind of, well, he was well, saying a, a, she was in the wrong or he was in the wrong. He's not, he's chosen not to do that, but just chosen to say, you know, I'm not going to try and make out any one thing, but I am going to say that this changed my life. Mm. And I think, well, that's fair enough because, you know. You address it and you move on. Yeah. Mm. Does anybody have any final... But, yeah. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have any final further thoughts or anything? Uh, No, I think um, to me it's... Yeah, I think just... (laughs) Again, just to echo my earlier point, is the whole thing's so massively subjective and the goalposts are constantly moving uh, and they will keep on moving as well. Um, and I think they should as well. I think, 
you know, if if I think if we are to evolve as a society, we should constantly be reviewing our behaviors and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, And as people, you know, redefine and rediscover, you know, what what it is to be whatever you choose to be in life um, or how you overcome whatever difficulties you have in life. I think, I think there's, there's a, there's a level of sensitivity that needs to be addressed, but also um, there should always be a level of uh, humor and analysis and, and satire placed upon all the different facets of what it, is to be human um, because if we don't, then I think we stop being human. Holy smokes. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a perfect close. <laughs> that was gorgeous. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry. Just, just winding up a bit here. <clears throat> <laughs> no, it's a perfect sentiment to end on. If you know everything, then you learn nothing. So it's uh, it's a perfect sentiment to. Uh, Can I give it a simple one? On. Yeah. Um, I would just say context is everything, audience and the passage of time is everything. If I was to do stand-up, I would literally probably take uh, a uh, spinning wheel in with a load of different subjects on it um, that I prepped comedy for, and I'd roll the wheel. And if, if the topic that came up got gasps or boos from the audience, I'd probably go, <laughs> you know, don't want me to... You don't want me to make 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 jokes about. Uh, uh, don't say it. Don't don't don't. <laughs> you know what I mean. Whatever you're about to say. Because I think you know if you, if you if you every comedian has a bad gig has a number of bad gigs because every crowd in the in the space of of stand up com- comedy is so different. You know, yeah. drunken crowds, crowds where you've got you know people who are you know a certain small town or big town everyone's going to be different so reading the audience if you're a comedian is is must be so hard and you must have to do it so quick to know that the the first few lines you're saying this isn't going well i'm gonna have to take it in a direct different direction anyway Hmm. yeah this is a conversation i've wanted to have for a super long time so i'm really glad that we've We've had it, and uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it actually. So thank you both. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I thought it was it went very very well. Thanks, Peanut. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> you killed my ending. I was going to say uh, this is me, Peanut, signing off. <laughs> uh, yeah, on that note, this is me, Peanut, signing off. You're listening to the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. Please check us out at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Uh, podcast episodes released on the first and third Mondays of each month. Thank you very much for your time, friends. Uh, from me, Dan, and Teach, this is us waving goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Adios. Listen to this. Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough, and people are stupid, obnoxious or daft, and you feel that you've had quite enough. Just remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 miles an hour. 
that's orbiting at 19 miles a second. So it's reckoned a sun that is the source of all our power. The sun and you and me and all the stars that we can see are moving at a million miles a day. In an outer spiral arm at 40,000 miles an hour of the galaxy we call the Milky Way. galaxy itself contains a hundred billion stars. It's a hundred thousand light years side to side. It bulges in the middle, 16,000 light years thick, but out by us it's just 3,000 light years wide. We're 30,000 light years from galactic central point. We go round every 200 million years. And our galaxy is only one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. on expanding and expanding in all of the directions it can whiz as fast as it can go at the speed of light you know 12 million miles a minute and that's the fastest speed there is so remember when you're feeling very small and insecure how amazingly unlikely is your birth and pray that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space cause there's bugger all down here on earth 